So our reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses, verses 23 to 32. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we will not be condemned with the world. May the Lord add his understanding to our reading. Amen. Well, good, good morning again. It's uh, indeed good to be with you. Well, when I was asked to, uh, to come and preach today, uh, back in November time, I was asked if I'd like to preach and if I'd like to take communion. And, um, and I, thought, I thought about it. Well, I thought, yes, I, I would. I'd like to take the communion. I've had a long connection with this church over very many years, but I'd also like to speak about communion. Um, I was challenged last year, really, to, to, to preach on, on communion, and, and I was really struck that in 20-odd years of ministry, I'd never really preached on what, what communion means, what we should expect from it, what is it, what its significance, um, what's it do, what are we doing when we share bread and wine together. And so today, I'd like to do that first, and then we're going to put, we're going to do it afterwards. It's good to, to teach and then actually do what we're teaching about. And this is a wonderful opportunity to do that. And I just pray for you today. What, are you, what, are, what am I hoping that you'll get out of it? I'm hoping that maybe it will open your eyes to even more potential than perhaps you've already seen uh, in the communion service. That's my, that's my hope today. So what, what about communion? What, what's it all about? Well, of course, it was born in Holy Week. Uh, it was born at the time of um, uh, what we call the Last Supper, on Monday, Thursday, before the, before the Easter weekend. Um, and it was when Jesus shared a Passover meal uh, with his disciples. And um, have we got it? Oh, yes, we've got it on the board there. Now, that's the one, I mean, this, this doesn't go back to the time of Jesus. It's, it's um, the Leonardo da Vinci um, if ever you have an opportunity to see it, it's a wonderful painting. It's in the dining hall of a convent in Milan. And it's on the wall. It's painted on the wall. And, and it, it is a remarkable experience. If you have an opportunity in it. And it pictures the Last Supper 
uh, just at the time when Jesus announced that someone's going to betray him. And you see all the disciples talking, who is it? You know, who's going to be the one to betray Jesus? So um, that's, just to, that's just to set the scene. The Last Supper, um, Maundy Thursday. And it's about the Passover. Now, the Jewish Passover was a celebration, of course, uh, of when the Jews escaped from Egypt um, under Moses. Um, and if you remember, what actually happened there is that uh, God kept sending plagues on the Egyptians to encourage them to let the Israelites go. Um, and, and basically, he went through all the plagues and, and still the Egyptians would not let the, the Israelites go. And he gets to the last plague. And the last plague was to strike down the firstborn men, women, and animals, indeed, in Egypt. And what the Israelites were asked to do, they said, look, um, God said through Moses to the Israelites, what I want you to do is put the blood, to have a meal, and to put the blood of the lamb on the door, the doorposts, the door frame. Uh, And when the avenging angel comes over, when he sees the blood of the lamb, uh, he won't, uh, the plague will not strike. That, that, those houses. And that indeed is, is what happens, and that's what the Jews were celebrating uh, in that Passover meal. Um, and of course, there's a resonance there, isn't there? Because Jesus talked about the body, his body, and the blood. And there's the resonance with the blood of the lamb in the Passover meal. Now, I think it's fair to say that when Jesus shared this meal, when he talked uh, about his body and his blood, the disciples probably had a little clue what he was talking about. I mean, he'd been trying to warn them for quite some time of what was going to happen to him on the cross, but the disciples didn't grasp it and, and, and just couldn't, couldn't begin to understand. They had to go through it uh, before they began to understand what Jesus was talking about in this Passover meal. They had to go through the betrayal. When Judas betrayed Jesus uh, on on the Maundy Thursday, they had to go through the crucifixion when Jesus was put on a cross uh, and died on a cross. They had to go through the burial. They had to go through the resurrection when Jesus rose again. And then they began to understand. And by Pentecost, they'd got it. When Peter preached at Pentecost, it was pretty impressive. He grasped the picture Uh, that Jesus was trying to paint at the Last Supper. So what were we, what are we asked to remember? What are we asked to give thanks for in this communion service? Well, there's a number of things, I think. First of all, he was making, basically making an announcement. He was making an announcement in that service of a new covenant. He was making an announcement that the barriers would fall down, the barriers that divided the Jews from the Gentiles in particular, and that the gospel that he had brought was a gospel that was for everyone, Jews and Gentiles. It was an announcement, really, of the start of that new covenant. It was an announcement, really, that the death of Jesus, which looked to the disciples like an absolute disaster, was absolutely part of God's plan, and it was part of God's plan for the blessing of you and I, that we might know forgiveness for our sins. And the resurrection, the resurrection announced that death could not hold him, and that for you and me there was new life in Christ. 
It also announced that the presence of Jesus would be with us through the Holy Spirit. Amazing, amazing facts. So today, what are we going to do today? Well, we are going to remember and give thanks. That's clearly what Jesus was focusing on, that we actually needed to remember and give thanks. We are going to celebrate a new covenant, a covenant that invited you and I into, into the very presence of Jesus. But we're going to do more than that. Because when I've looked at the words that I've used in the communion service for years, I realize I've used the words um, empowering for our daily walk with him. This should be something that empowers us. It is a sacrament. It's something that the the, the church, um, depends what church you're in, but the church basically agrees there are two sacraments, baptism and communion. Very, very important. Other church, some churches have rather more than that, but, the, but most, the vast majority of the church would agree on those two. That and there is an element of the miraculous. And I need to point this out to you. I mean, we're Protestants, of course. We don't get in, uh, involved in any Catholic dogma or anything of that sort. Um, but actually, there is a miraculous element to this service. That there is a promise of Jesus' presence in a very special way. Now, I know we have Jesus' presence 24 hours a day, but there is something, as a promise of something special when we eat the bread and we drink the wine. So today, I want to focus on two elements um, today. I want to focus, first of all, uh, on the fact that communion is a great source of unity. You might argue that the church doesn't agree on very much, but actually... The church does agree on communion, with one or two exceptions, I grant you, but the church agrees, virtually every church around this globe um, will today, uh, be, or not today, will be celebrating communion. Now, some will do it daily, some will do it weekly, some will do it monthly, some will do it quarterly. The patterns of how we do it are changed, but we, there is a truth that we all share uh, in, this, in this community. It is something that's big, something that draws the whole world, the whole world church together. But that's the f- first thing I want to look at. But the second, and equally important, the, the communion service speaks of the bigness of the church and the need for unity in the church, but it also speaks to our daily walk with him. And I, for the second part, I want to look at that, just how that communion can speak and how it can indeed empower us for our daily walk with him. So that's what I want to look at next. So first of all, the question of unity. And I've put the the world up there. Um, You might recognise it. Uh, But it's important to recognise that I think every country in the world has a Christian presence in it. It is amazing, isn't it? That's not every people group I think that's still, when, we're, when we want to get to that point, maybe the Jesus will be returning, but certainly every country, even some of the most surprising countries, North Korea, has a Christian presence in it. Um, the Middle East countries, you know, where we, Syria, Iraq, I mean, had strong Christian presences, under great pressure, but there is still a Christian presence in all, the, in all these countries. Uh, and the communion service is a celebration of our unity across the globe, and indeed across denominations. Um, 
Some of you may know Psalm 133, where it simply says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters uh, come together in unity. You probably remember it well. That's the beginning of the psalm. The end of the psalm is very telling. For there God bestows his blessing. That's why it's important to recognize the oneness of the church. You know, Jesus only has one church. He didn't set up 500. I mean, there are probably thousands of denominations. There is one church. We are part of that one worldwide church. And that church virtually all share communion. So when we share communion, we are doing something that the world church is also doing. It's a big vision. Uh, And what I want you to do uh, when we come to the communion, I'll explain how we'll do this. I want the communion to stretch your vision as to what's possible uh, and to stretch it to the point where you can recognise that there is something wonderful. Jesus smiles when we do things together. Can't do everything together. I'm not suggesting we can, but Jesus smiles when churches achieve that. Now, in my ministry, I've experienced that very, very much. I mean, the churches that I looked after were not as strong as this, um, and I would say the most, most of the most productive things we did were done ecumenically. Last night, I was at the 10th anniversary uh, of the birth of street pastors in Tunbridge Wells. Um, something I was very much involved in at the time when it was set up. Um, and it was wonderful to behold. There are something like 20, well, it varies over time, between 20 and 30 churches are involved in Tunbridge Wells Street Pastors. And, you know, the, again, it was a wonderful testimony last night. And there were secular, there were, the mayor was there, um, the MPs had left their messages, because this is where the church had worked together and had touched the community around. Um, other examples, of course, um, are winter shelters. Generally speaking, winter shelters are done by ec- ecumenically, uh, and they've been very successful and meet and met a, a, a big need. Um, I'm, something else I get involved in in my retirement is debt advice. Something else we do ecumenically again, and um, it is just so good when Christians can come together. Now, I'm not suggesting that everything you do has to be done ecumenically. What I am suggesting, though, is that there should be an antennae there which simply says, can we do this together? Is it possible to do it together? Because I would like to say, and I I do say to you very firmly, that the Lord smiles when you manage to do something together with other Christians because barriers come down. And he's in the business of bringing barriers down. So, that's the first thing uh, I want to bring to you today, that you are part, it's a reminder, when we have communion, that you are part of something that is very big. Big geographically, big because it's across the denominations of of, of churches as well. But I wouldn't want to leave it there, because what it suggests is um, that God's only interested in the big You know, he's he's looking at this big world and one day he's going to come back and he's going to sort out the world. But, you know, actually, that's right. But the the amazing thing is, he's going to use you and me to do it. 
He's interested in, in you and I as, as individuals. He's interested in us personally. His plans are to use you and I for his purpose. So I want the other, another part of our communion to look at that. What's the communion mean for you and, and me uh, in terms of our daily lives, in terms of the problems that we're going to go back to when we, when we, uh, when we leave here today, in terms of the opportunities, in terms of the, the issues, maybe the things that you're, you've brought in today. I'm going to suggest to you that whatever you've brought in today, you can leave it. When you take that bread and the wine, it's something you can leave with Jesus today and expect a miraculous outcome, or maybe a natural outcome, but answers to your prayer. Now, I'm aware when people see words like repentance and forgiveness, uh, it, they can be a bit threatening, can't they? Uh, and I noticed, you know, well, you wouldn't, perhaps you maybe did notice in the reading today, Paul says you should examine yourself. Um, and, you know, and what I want to say to you today is repentance has been given us and it is a great gift of God. It's not a threat. It's a gift. It's something that you need. If you're, going to, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to need repentance because we are all sinful, flawed people. You and me. Only Jesus, the only exception to that is Jesus. And we need repentance to stop those barriers between us and God going up. Repentance is the way that God enables us to walk with him. With, in Jesus. It's a gift from God. And it's, what is it, you might ask, some of you? It's simply, it's about saying, it's recognising the things that are wrong in our lives um, and saying sorry. It's saying sorry to God. Um, and we've all got stuff uh, and we all need to say sorry on a regular basis. The communion service is a good opportunity to do that. And there's also something else in repentance we shouldn't forget. When we say sorry for something that we have done, there's also the obligation on us to turn away from it. That tomorrow we should have a determination not to do it again. Now, we're all human, you know, and none of us are perfect, and I'm not suggesting that you're going to work, you're going to repent, and you're going to walk out perfect. You're not. And you're going to do stuff again tomorrow, but there should be a determination in you and in me not to do it again. That's part of this repentance process. You see, unrepent sin is not the problem. See, God knows we're sinners. We have the we have forgiveness of sins. It is the gift that Jesus brings us. The problem is unrepented sin. If you're going around with stuff you've not brought before Jesus and you've not um, asked his forgiveness, then you've got a problem. Unrepented sin is the issue. Now, people have asked me when I've talked about repentance in the past, they've said, God bless you, I've got 25 things that I could repent of this morning. Um, and, and, and that is probably an exaggeration. Uh, and it's probably you're not aware of 25 things, but actually what I would say to you, there may well be one or two that you are aware of this morning. 
And this is a good chance. If you're anything that you've brought in with you that you know is not right in your life, well, the communion service is a very good time just to lay it before the Lord when you're eating that bread. Just to lay that before the Lord. Perhaps it's the one that's causing most damage to your life at the moment that needs to be dealt with today. Might be one of the Ten Commandments. Idolatry. I mean, you know, idolatry, we, we can sort of smile about idolatry. There's a big question, you know. What is most important in your life and my life? Is it God? Or has something else crept in and taken the space? You know, it's a big question. You know, what is it? What, what, what makes you get up in the morning? You know, what drives you? Is it actually a passion for the Lord and for, and for serving him? Or is it something else? Could be just stealing, you know, in the office, whatever it is. Could be adultery. It could be relationship issues which you've caused by your own awkwardness or whatever it is. I've already talked today about um, uh, addiction. Could be social media, you know. Perhaps the congregation, the younger ones here know what I'm saying. I mean, the time spent on social media, in my case... Um, my problem is not, not, not looking at it enough. My wife's always complaining that I'm missing out on family news because I haven't looked at my social media. Uh, and, um, but in other cases, it might be the opposite problem, that you're spending a lot of your day just actually looking at social media. And it may be addictions of all other sorts which are dominating your life and which can, you can repent of and do something about by going on the recovery course, for one thing. So that's the first thing. Repentance. This is an opportunity to bring that before God. Second one, forgiveness. Now, this I'm talking here not about God's forgiveness of us. That comes automatically if we repent. You need to worry about that. That's God's promise to us. This is the forgiveness of us, of other people who have hurt us. Um, and I think the message that God wants to give to us, very simply, I have forgiven you and me an awful lot. I expect you to forgive others for what they have hurt you. Um, and I'd have to say, you know, in, in my experience on the recovery courses, on the recovery of addiction, probably the most powerful thing that we do for people is lead them to forgive others. And, that's so, and, that, and so often will be enough to break the power of addiction. Just simply forgiving. You see, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, desire for revenge is, is a natural human response to hurt. We all, we know, that's the natural, how we would naturally handle it. God has simply said to us very, very clearly... That's the, for Christians, you've got to forgive. You've got to let it go. Let go to God. And it's, sometimes it's very tough, but there's also the promise that he will empower us to enable us to do it. Something else that we can actually do when we come to eating the bread uh, and drinking the wine today. Thirdly, our needs. We've already prayed um, for Phil, and we know something about the needs, the particular needs that he has, we have all here come 
today with needs. Needs for ourselves, uh, needs for our family and friends and others. Um, They may be healing, they may be financial needs, they may be relationship problems, um, they may be whatever it is. If you're coming in with a worry and 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 a concern today, the communion's an opportunity to bring those before the Lord, both for you and for others. You see, Jesus said to us, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened for you. We have an open invitation to bring our needs to the Lord. And notice the order I've done this. Repentance, forgiveness, asking for our needs to be met. It's a logical order. We clear the, clear the way with God and then we can come without any hindrances to, to him. So, bring your needs. It's an opportunity to bring in needs on a regular basis. You can lay them before the Lord. And the fourth one on our list there is God's purpose for my life. You know, when God called you uh, into become a Christian, he didn't call you into an easy life. That was not his purpose. His purpose was to call you and me to serve him. He has a purpose for you. Uh, and maybe there are some of you are actually sitting out there today thinking, yeah, you know, God is challenging me to do something. Yeah, this is an opportunity again just to bring that before the Lord. What have you got for me, Lord? Maybe you know what he's got for you and you're resisting it. Um, Whatever it is, this is an opportunity to just bring it before the Lord. It might be, Lord, I know you're calling me to this. Show me how to do it. Or it might simply be, Lord, what are you calling me to do? We all need a purpose. I noticed they were talking about the Holocaust on the radio this morning. And it was Viktor Frankl who wrote... Uh, a Jew who wrote from uh, Auschwitz, about Auschwitz. And he said, it's amazing what you can achieve in life when you have a purpose. And, and, and particularly as a Christian, having that purpose is in itself life-transforming. We all need to know what God has called us into this world for. We can bring it to him as we come to, for, for communion. Here, I mean, you're a strong church, you're a good church, you've got a lot of resources here. You know, what's God calling you to do? Um, You know, plant a new church somewhere? Whatever it is. Um, The communion's a good time, it's an opportunity just to bring it before the Lord and, you know, and God does speak. I really do believe there is a special power in the communion service which we need to actually use and to ask God about. Well, that's really all I want to say today. I'm going to move shortly into the communion service. What I want to do in that service, um, I, I, I think I've grasped how you do your service now, so I, I understand there'll be people standing in each corner, uh, and, they, and you will come forward and you will take the bread and the wine. I think that's right, isn't it? Um, Right. So when you take the bread and the wine back with you, what what I'd like you to do, um, I'd like you to spend some time, uh, first of all, uh, focusing on the bread. 
And I'd like you to focus on whatever of these issues you think God actually is speaking to you about today. You know, then there may be one particular one there that really is jumping out at you. Uh, and just ask the Lord, just reflect down that list and say, Lord, what is, you know, what, what is it? Is there something I need to sort out with you? Is there a purpose that I need to, need to know about? Whatever it is, just to reflect a couple of minutes and, and eat the bread when you feel ready. It's your time with the Lord. Eat it when you feel ready. When we get on to the, the, the next, we get on to the wine, um, uh, what I would like to do there, I'd like to reflect on, on, on the bigness of the, of, the, of, the, of the church, of the importance of unity, and just a reflection, really, of um, the possibilities. That, the fact that God wants to bestow extra blessing where he sees people working together. You know, this, the whole, uh, the bigness, you're part of something big and important. And I want you to reflect on that. Don't drink the wine, please. Uh, I'd like you to wait, uh, and I'll call us and we'll drink the wine together as a reflection of our unity. Does that, does that sound okay? That, do you understand the process? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good start. Okay. Let's, let's just bow our heads a moment, and then I'll move over to the table, and we'll... Yeah, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for who you are. Uh, and thank you, Lord, for, the, for Jesus' miraculous life and his death and his resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this amazing package. And Lord, I simply pray for each of us today that when we come to eating the bread and drinking the wine... I pray that you will speak to us, that when we leave today, you will have said something to us that's going to help us in our walk with you. So, Lord, just come by your Spirit now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.